before we dive in today, a couple of things, a couple of exciting things right around the corner. Uh, the end of November, we have our annual tree lighting um, night and kids, this whole room is going to be transformed with slides and Santa and all that sort of stuff. And, and so since families around your community are going to show up at your house on Tuesday night, just going to randomly show up asking for candy, give them great candy. And then drop this invite card into their container. So we have uh, these really welcome invite tree lighting cards. Uh, they're uh, stacks of 10, bulks of 10, wrapped in 10, whatever. Take plenty of them. We, we have several thousand. We want to get rid of those today. So take them home. And when they come asking for candy, smile, give them candy, and then put one of these in their container. That would be awesome. I'm also excited to announce verbally for the first time that finally, after months and months of construction and remodeling, we have finally set the grand opening date for November 26th here at Grace Point Church. We're going to finally uh, open up our brand new kids center and youth center. So on the 26th, we're going to have a special family services. All the kids and babies are going to be in here. We're going to have a shorter service of celebration uh, of Thanksgiving. And then we're going to have uh, the ribbon cutting. And then we're going to launch this service to, to go into the kids' center and then go downstairs into the brand new youth center. And then downstairs at the youth center, they have a new cafe. And there are going to be treats and refreshments down for us all. So it's going to be a fun, fun day to see. Thank you, parents, for putting up with all the construction, uh, all the, even today, there's all this temporary lighting in the hallways, but the, but the promised land is coming. All right. Promised land is coming. So that is, that is coming. So the best stories, and I like the movies that are true stories, the best stories and the best movies are fantastic because they're victorious. There is this victorious ending of that story. Here's some of my, my favorite kind of series. Of course, got, got Rocky. Uh, some of you are too young for that. Your, you, your childhood has been tarnished for not watching Rocky. Um, uh, this true story of Seabiscuit. Love that story. Then there's The Darkest Hour with Winston Churchill. Then there's The Pursuit of Happiness all right, with Will Smith. And, and then The Hidden Figures. Love this, this story. And then one of my favorite all times is the movie Miracle. Now, other than Rocky, all these, all these ones that I love are based on true stories. They're true stories. And they are powerful stories. They're triumphant stories. They're inspirational stories because in every one of these, they had to overcome obstacles. They had to overcome struggles. They had, they had, they had to endure hardships. It was, it was hard. It was difficult. It was painful. But at the end, there was victory. So you take out the obstacles, you take out the struggles, and these aren't good stories at all. It's like, oh, it was easy. We win every time, all right? And there's no conflict. See, th those, those aren't good stories, great stories, great movies. You see, in fact, all of these movies, most of the movie is about the struggle and, and the conflict and the pain and the heartache. And at the end, and there's victory. That describes our lives for most of us in this room. We are continuing in this series called Steak and Potatoes. 
Uh, we're walking through um, in some really meat of Romans, the book of Romans, and talking about God's law, God's judgment, God's grace, God's mercy, God's uh, gospel. And then we're talking about how then to live with this new life found in Christ. For our old life has passed and the new has come because of Jesus. How do we live this life? How do we live this life? So we're going to continue with that. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Last week we talked about now as, as, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, there's no longer condemnation. We've been set free to live a life of freedom. But then we're gonna, today we're going to talk about how to understand life's struggles, life's difficulties, life's painful chapters through the prism of God's divine purpose. See, God has a bigger picture in mind than all of us can understand. God has a better plan than all of us can see because God has a divine purpose for everything that comes into our life. Now, I don't know all of your struggles, but I know that plenty of you came in today or watching online right now, you are weighted down with struggles. You're weighted down with an obstacle. You're weighted down with something that is painful in your life. And it's easy for us just to spiral downward with suffering here in this life. And I pray that today, through God's word, you'll lift up your eyes and have a change of perspective, a change of perspective. So what I'm gonna, I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read um, a number of verses and then come back and unpack this section. Beginning in verse 16 of chapter eight, Paul writes, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager anticipation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we await eagerly for the adoption of sonship to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently, we, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you're taking notes today, the central point is this. Instead of coming to God 
with my why, all right, why, 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 instead of doing that, I need to surrender to his purpose. See, God has a purpose for everything that, that comes into our life, and it's so easy for us to run to God and why, 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 why. Better is, is to understand, I, gotta, I just need to surrender to God's divine purpose. If you ever, anybody remember um, the merry-go-round, merry-go-round, and over and over and over and over, pretty soon I'm dizzy and I want to get off. But we can be on a merry-go-round of whys with God. I've been there too. Why, God, did you allow this to happen? Why did this not happen that I expected to happen? Why don't you do something, God? Why can't you change this? Why can't you fix that? Why did you allow this? Why, 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 why? When we are on the merry-go-round of whys, we are just going to have despair. And there will be an absence of hope in our lives. And it's already hard. It's just going to make life harder for us. And this passage gives us a better understanding of God's divine purpose. Beginning in verse 17. Okay, he says, now if we are children, if you trusted in Jesus, his death and blood on the cross paid for your sin, forgave you, he wrote you into his family that, that does not have an eraser, and you are a child of God. If we are children, you've got to understand, then we are heirs. This is our this is our kind of our position with God. We're not only children of God, we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. See, this helps us understand that we have something coming. That's what the word heir means. Actually, there's two definitions of, of the definition of heirs. It's a person inheriting, meaning something was promised and that promise is coming. We're going to inherit that, whatever it is. But the second part of this definition is, and continuing the legacy of the predecessor. So an heir, a bad heir, is just give me it. And I don't care about who gave it to me. Now, an heir is, I am, there's, there's purpose in my waiting. I'm waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. I'm waiting for it to be given to me. And while I'm waiting, there is waiting and living on purpose to represent the legacy of the predecessor before me. And that would, for salvation, that would be our Savior, Jesus Christ. He preceded us. And before he left, he promised what is going to happen, what is before us, what is given to us as a child of God. So Paul, in the midst of, let's talk about the suffering in this life, because it's real. I just want to remind you of if you're a child of God, you are an heir. What has been promised you is coming. So while you're waiting, protect the legacy of the predecessor. Meaning you are a walking billboard of Jesus. So be a good representation. Be a good advertisement. And what helps me is instead of focusing on this dark chapter that I'm going in, going through, and I don't understand why. And I don't, under, I don't see a purpose, how it could ever be good. It helps me to 
pull back the lens and look at there is a bigger picture at play. God has a bigger and better plan that I could ever in dream. And for some reason, he has a divine purpose in whatever is hitting my life. So I need to wait on purpose. And while I'm waiting, I'm living on purpose. That's why he says the next verse in verse 18, that I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That inheritance is waiting for us if you're a child of God. The inheritance of forever in a sinless universe, forever given a sinless body that will never break again, and forever in relationships in heaven that will never be separated, never be broken down, never be neglected, forever healed, forever unified. It helps me to understand a bigger picture that life sucks right now. Oh, but wait, the best is yet to come. And it's been promised. And Jesus is a promise-giving God and he's not a promise-breaker. It just helps me understand. Again, if I just focus on my suffering and focus on why all my why questions are not being answered by my God, I'm gonna live a life of despair and there'll be an absence of hope. Absence of hope. So Paul then gives an example of what's wrong, but what's coming. In verse 21 and 22, he says, the creation, this earth, all right, this globe, this earth itself, creation itself, will be one day liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Just take the earth as an example. Our earth is broken. Our earth is deteriorating. Our earth is in bondage to decay. Trust me, it is not getting better on planet earth. It is getting harder. It is getting broken. Just take a look at what happens with nature and all the disasters that are taking place. I'll tell you the reason that the earth has been groaning and broken. It all goes back to when sin came on planet earth. Sin didn't just affect Adam and Eve and all of us who have been born after that. Sin has damaged planet earth. And he's given an example that, but one day it is going to be liberated. And this earth can't wait until the children of God are liberated too. Because Jesus says, I am preparing a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be redeemed, restored, renewed, no more sin. Jesus is going to take care of that. So this is one example. And he says, what we're experiencing then and even more so today, he says, it's kind of like the pains of childbirth. Now, all the moms in the room who have given birth, you're like, oh, oh, let me tell you about that. Okay, I have never given birth. Just wanted to say that in 2023. But I have had plenty, my share of kidney stones. And I've had moms who have gone through childbirth and kidney stones and have told me, a lot of them said, 
oh, kidney stones are way worse, way more pain, all right? So I'm not I'm bragging that I've given, you know, I've given birth, all right? Because I can't do that, all right? But pain is pain. And what we're seeing on planet Earth is telling us that the end is near, <laughs> the new is coming, and we know it's near because of situations on planet Earth are like the pains of childbirth. Now, let, let me say a, a few things that are not politically correct. Just so you know, I filter everything in life through my filter of a biblical worldview that keeps me sane and keeps me scriptural, all right? So it's not politically correct. Here's this. Many people today are living their lives in complete fear because they believe that the earth is facing an existential threat of climate change. And I say respectfully, no, it's not. No, it's not. Earth is facing an existential threat of sin that has damaged everything on planet Earth. Now, this is not politically correct to say so, but it is biblically accurate. Mankind cannot and will not destroy this earth. And mankind cannot and will not save the planet. Okay, now, I'm not saying be an idiot, you know, and pollute and, and, and just do damage. No, we're to be good stewards of this creation that God has given to us. But our, our, our entire world is obsessed with this, that we have to do this, this, and that to save planet Earth. No, don't be an idiot about it, but I just want to let you know that Jesus, when he comes back, he's going to make everything that's wrong right again, and he's going to take a writ and take care of and get rid of sin forever. Part of it is on this planet. He is going to melt everything with fire. He's going to renew it, redeem it, reclaim it, and a brand new sinless earth will be heaven forever and ever. New heaven, new earth. And mankind is not going to do that if you, you know, drive your car a little bit more than what they're telling you to do. And, and what happens is, oh, we have a whole planet of fear. Fear, but it's based upon a lie. So Jesus was asked a question after he told him he's leaving, he's coming back in the end of the age. And his disciples said, okay, okay, Jesus, can you, can you give us some clues? Can you give us some hints? Get, what, what are the signs that you're going to, when you're going to come back and the end of the age. Now, let me stop right there. The end of the age, meaning the, the end of the age, which we're in right now, is the age of mankind's in charge of planet earth. The next age is the age of Jesus when Jesus is in charge. And it's going to be vastly different than what's been happening on planet earth during the end of the age of man. So Jesus, Jesus tells us, tell us, the disciples ask, give us some signs that that, it were, that it's going to be close, the end, the end of the age. So Matthew 24 says a lot, but here's a couple of things that Jesus said. He goes, here's, here's, here's some signs. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Jesus used the same analogy that Paul used, that when things are starting to collapse and cave inward, 
Those are signs that the end is coming, the new is right around the corner, and all these are examples of birth pains, of birth pains. What is happening in the Middle East today is no surprise to Scripture. No surprise. It's nothing new. It's just on repeat cycle of enemies around the world, enemies of God and the nation of Israel, and all, all that's happening and what is going to grow. I'm not saying that as a prophecy. I'm just saying as Scripture has said. And these are birth pains. There are birth pains. In, in Ezekiel chapter 36 through 38, it's a powerful section of prophecy that Ezekiel, God gave him these prophecies when he was in captivity in Babylon. And in chapter 36 and 37, he was saying that God is going to spread out his, his nation of Israel through the four corners of the earth because of their disobedience and idolatry. And that's what took place in 70 AD where Rome's boot came down on the nation of Israel and the nation scattered to it all around the globe. But in prophecy, in Ezekiel 36 and 38, it says, near the end times, God is going to redeem and reclaim his nation from the four corners. People are going to come from all over the world back to the homeland, and the nation of Israel will be reborn. Folks, that took place, that was fulfilled in 1948. 1948. And chapter 37, it says that... The Gog and Magog, and scholars believe that's it's talking about the northern nation in the area of Russia, that Russia will partner with Persia and other nations around Israel that hate Israel, and Russia and Persia will collaborate and attack Israel. The former name, or the, the current name for ancient Persia is none other than the nation of Iran. That's the, they, they, they were Persia forever until 1935. And they took on the, the word Iran. There has never been a partnership in centuries and centuries and centuries between Russia and Persia until recently, until our lifetime. They started trading like military equipment. But I, again, in my research, the, the partnership has been fused between Russia and Iran ever since Ukraine was, in, was, was uh, invaded. Now the partnership with Russia and ancient Persia is tighter than it has ever been. It's in line with chapter 38 of Ezekiel. I'm not saying this to freak you out. I'm not saying this to, to do anything other than what we're seeing played out is not a surprise. Jesus predicted it. He said, not only is the physical earth going to be having all kinds of problems and suffering and breaking and famines and disease and earthquakes, is that it's all going to come together. And it's going to be like birth pains at, child, at, at, at birth of a child. Now, let's go back to Romans chapter 8 and apply this to us personally. Not only is creation all jacked up and in bondage, but at the very end of verse 23a, it says, not only so, not only the earth, but we ourselves. Then he starts talking about our own physical bodies are groaning 
All right, as we get older. Now, if you're older than 25, you understand this. Like, okay, the things I used to do, now I do half the amount and I hurt 10 times more. And muscles I didn't even know existed in my body, my body ache. But man, when I was younger, I could do this and jump and blah, 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 blah. Now I just think about an activity and I pull a muscle. You know, and I'm seeing the doctor more. I'm taking more medicine. And this is all the fact that these bodies are affected by sin. And it is, we are living in a decaying system. Paul talks about it's an old tent that needs to be like upgraded. And when we receive our inheritance, when Christ comes back, when he sets us free from this globe of sin, he'll set us free from this body of sin, and we get to try on a brand new physical body that will last forever without sin. Without sin. And this is for those who are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Children of God. Children of God. So, are you experiencing a season of physical illness? I mean, you're just taking pain meds all the time. You're, you're experiencing birth pains. That your body is going, I'm not, I have, because of sin, I will not be around forever. And you're like, why do I have to keep taking this stuff? How about relational illness? There's pain, there's heartache, there's conflict, there's separation, there's lack of reconciliation, and our heart is aching. That those are birth pains. Do you realize that in heaven, all broken, separated relationships will be forever reconciled? If they're, if they're a believer in Christ and you're a believer in Christ, you won't have to worry about relational conflict ever again, hallelujah. But until then, pain, suffering. Then there's actual, actual physical death, separation of a loved one, the pit in your guts, the pain of their empty, the loss, the, their presence, the hole that can never be filled again. Paul writes, he says, yes, we mourn as believers. I mean, there's seriously mourning the loss of someone that we love. But we mourn, as, but not like those who have no hope. Oh, it still hurts. And it will hurt. And you'll never get over that hurt until we're over this life. And then you're going to be rec- reconciled and reunion and put all back together forever again. But until then, it's pain. C.S. Lewis, um, former atheist, became believer and then apologetic during uh, World War II, he said this, that this life is like a a baby inside its mother's womb. It's kind of dark and confining, But as the baby grows inside the mom's womb, it gets even more constricting and more uncomfortable. And and, 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 and that's life growing up. That's life on planet Earth. And he says in death, physical death is like a baby going through the birthing canal. 
that is painful. All of a sudden these contractions are pushing me out. You know, I didn't get a 30-day notice that I'm supposed to leave this joint. And, and it's painful and it's dark and it's scary to, to this little baby. But that's the only way they get to experience life outside the womb. He said that describes life on earth and death on earth. And heaven is like outside of all that we know and what is confining us to this day. Now, I've had the chance over the years as a pastor to, uh, to go to the hospital, the, the old Harrison Hospital, uh, the new uh, St. Michael's uh, Hospital, and, and be there as the birth of a child, someone on our staff, someone on our life group, someone in church, you know, and, and you go into the, the birthing room and, and you see the mom and, and you see the, the, just her, her, her whole body, you can tell she, she was, she's been through it. But uh, I've never seen a mom, you know, and say, oh, Pastor Mary, thank you you for coming. Let me tell you how painful it was. I pushed and I pushed and I pushed some more and they did this. And then I got angry at my husband. And then I started yelling at my husband. This is all your fault. Don't you ever touch me again. I've never heard a wife just, a mom just going off like that and talking about the pain. No, even because of the pain that all they're looking at and glorifying over is this precious bundle of sin that they brought into the world. This beautiful birth. You see, the suffering that we go through, we can't compare. It's not worth comparing to the glory that waits for us, for the inheritance that is waiting for us. If you're a believer in Christ, I see the moms, they're celebrating. And then they become middle schoolers and teenagers. They're like, I feel like I'm in childbirth all over again. You know, what happened to my baby? It's, It's called life. It's called life. All present suffering in your life on this earth can all be traced back to sin. Sin has damaged everything it has touched. But all future glory is because of Jesus Christ and the suffering that he took upon himself for our sake, for our salvation. The greater glory in heaven will be worth it all. Then we come to this, one of the most famous verses in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 by the way, don't use Romans 8, 28 when you, a friend of yours, a loved one of yours is in the midst of it. And don't drop this, well, you know, that all things, stop, you need to be slapped. You need to be very gentle and careful. But there's truth here. Paul writes, for we know that in all things, not some things, not most things, that in everything in your life that has been headed and you received in life, that in all things, God works for the good. Doesn't say that it's good, because some of the things that you have gone through, I've gone through, is not good from our perspective here on earth. But God, in all things, is gonna work for the good, not for our comfort, not for our convenience, 
not for our bottom line financial numbers, no, but God is going to work for the good for all those who love him and who have been called according to his what? His purpose. His purpose. And his purposes are different than our purposes. See, we have plans and hopes and dreams and desires. And, and sometimes God removes all that and he gives us something hard, painful. And in this life, God may never tell you why, but in the next life, you're gonna either understand the why or it won't matter. That's the hope that we have because of Christ. For what is good, yes, all things, all pain, divorce, breakups, prison sentences, cancer coming, cancer returning, inflation, loss of job, loss of relationship, death itself. God is going to work for the good according to his purpose. So instead of coming to God and just staying on the merry-go-round of why, that will only lead to just continuing despair and the absence of hope, it's time for some of you to surrender to his purpose. And what this is going to require is some, de- some declarations of faith. Of faith. Here, here's a couple. First, first is declare by faith, God, I believe that you will one day make it right because you promised to make it right. And it may not happen in this life, but definitely he'll make it all the wrongs, all the pain right in the next life. And it's another declaration, almost a flag in the ground statement of faith, declaration of faith is God, I believe my future glory will be greater than my present pain. God never wastes pain. He will always use it according to his purpose. Does it mean we understand it? Oh, no. How, how does this type of life, this type of surrender to the purpose of God, how, how does this show up when you're suffering, when you're hurting, when you're in pain? But at the same time, but you believe God and you believe that he will one day make it right and and that the future glory is way better than this current pain. How how does this really show up? It shows up in our worship. See, it's easy to worship God when things are good. It's easy to worship God when he's blessing. But what what are you going to do? And it's a choice. What are you going to do when your heart is breaking? When your life seems to be breaking apart? It's an opportunity to worship God. Why? Because worship changes our perspective. It, it changes really our heart. It obviously, it obviously changes our attitude. If we're genuinely worshiping God, many times the situation hasn't changed, but we change. Last year, I received a, 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 a I think it was a, a Facebook message request from a former student of mine. His name's Dale Burden. Burden's family was here for a long time until they moved to Idaho. And Dale was in my youth group back in the day. 
So I called him back and heard from his, from his voice, his mouth, that he had a pretty massive tumor in his brain. And uh, the diagnostic was very scary. Stage four. He said, we're going to try chemo. We're going to try this and that, surgery. But it doesn't look good. So he was just sharing with me, Pastor Iber, I just want you to pray. And, and in my conversation with Dale, he, he shared, you know, I'm not asking God why. Because I know, as bad as this is, he has a purpose. And he said, what's helped me in this whole upheaval of my life is I've been holding on to a song and I've been worshiping God with the song. So I prayed for him on the phone and said, we're going to be praying for you and I'm going to post it and have other people pray. And, and I got off the phone with Dale and I was like, I've never heard this song before. It's a Phil Wickham song, which I've heard most of his songs. And, and I put it on my Spotify and my office at home and I'm hearing these words and tears to start streaming down my, my cheeks because I'm like in his pain, in his fear of the unknown, his wife, kids, all that, he's holding on and worshiping God. I reached out to him last night again, and I just said, hey, I'm preaching through this section in Romans, and I'm going to share briefly your situation. And at the end of the service, our worship team is going to play for the first time at Grace Point the song that you've been holding on to. And so when they play and sing this song. I want you to remain seated. I just want you to absorb the truth of this song and maybe that will help you hold on, lift your eyes up to where it belongs and that God will help you through your pain while you worship. Listen to this song called Worthy of My Song.
faith in Christ is that we have hope beyond the grave. We have a future glory waiting for us. As Paul says, you don't hope for what you already see. You place your hope in what you don't see. But Christ has made a promise. And we trust in his promise. If he said, I'm going to die and I will rise in three days, and he pulls it off, I believe everything Jesus says. Even when I'm in pain, even when I don't know what to do, 
going to turn and I'm going to worship anyways because he's worthy. I pray today, whatever you're going through, whatever chapter that you're in right now, that God has assigned you, that one day you'll will say what Paul says, that I consider that my present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will one day be revealed in me. And that you can believe that we know that in all things, God works for the good to those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose, his plan, a bigger plan, a better plan than we will never fully understand on this earth. But one day we will. I hope that your eyes have lifted and your eyes are fixed on Christ today from his word. If you are in a chapter that you just need prayer for after the service, please head over to the cross. We have people that will just pray with you. Love just to pray with you and kind of bear your burden today. If you're our guest today, thank you for choosing to worship at Grace Point. We're an imperfect church who's following a perfect savior, trying to help people meet, know, and follow him. Especially as the world gets darker and darker, that's our hope. So thank you for choosing to worship here with us. Before you leave, please swing by guest services. We have a gift for you. Grace Point family on the way out, I'll tell you, pick up a number of these packets of 10 to, to give kids not only candy, but an invite. God may even use tree lighting services to enter them into his family. May God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day.